It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello to anyone listening. This is an audio that I've been meaning to record for quite some time now. The thing is that I keep giving myself hope that I can find someone that uh, can have an honest discussion about religion. Uh, The thing, the problem with that is that it's such a touchy subject and Uh, Actually, let me just, I have a backup recorder and I want to make sure that I'm capturing some good audio on that as well, just in case, because I'm a little on the paranoid side. So forgive this part. Uh, Okay, so I've been meaning to try to record this audio and I meet people and uh, talk to them about uh, religion and about, um, I, I guess just generally theology. And I almost feel like I meet people that are, uh, potentially interesting for this type of conversation. And then it just falls apart for one reason or another. I've had conversations with, uh, Jehovah's witness and, while I respect that they all, um, how would you say, sit on the same level as they're uh, trying to learn the teachings of their belief, um, and I respect other things where they're very critical in the dissection of the text itself. And um, am I using too many big words? Am I trying to be too polite? Uh, well, anyway... Um, and I respect that and I, I really value that type of critical thinking. But the problem is, though, that with any type of debate, and that's kind of what the article uh, explains, is that regardless of how polite you want to be and how um, critical you want to be of the claims that are written in the text, it's never enough. And uh, a lot of times those arguments start to fall apart. Now, most times when you start having a conversation with somebody about this, it starts off really well. And I, I've, I have talked to people that seem to be very logical and um, intellectual in what their beliefs are. And I, I, I respect that more than anything, regardless of what you fall into in the end. Um, this is actually what got me into the whole truther um, research because I, I saw a video. This was by uh, Marcus Allen, and I don't know if Chris Kendall from Hoaxbusters on Talk Show, I don't know if he was a part of it. He might have been. But anyway, there was a video that was showing the Japanese tsunami and how that event itself was just fake. Now, rather than 
what the programming that I've been given uh, tells me to do. I didn't run from it or just uh, ridicule them and look in the other direction. I was intrigued. I wanted to learn how somebody can come to that conclusion of uh, that conclusion of um, such a uncommon belief. And when uh, almost with any type of belief, even if you start to uh, question things like um, the David Icke reptilian stuff or any of the alien stuff, of course, it's all things that don't um, don't have any basis or evidence in our world at all. But the problem um, is is not that uh, the 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 how would you say the end of the whole belief itself falls on something that's very unstable and very um, easy to ridicule and um, that pulls my attention towards it. It wants me to figure out how it is that somebody got to that conclusion, uh, and that is also true for religion. But the thing with religion is that as soon as you start questioning somebody's um, beliefs, it starts to get very, how would you say, awkward in that it's almost like you're taking something away from the person. You're questioning something that they hold near and dear. And whenever that happens, the person starts to get very irate and defensive. Uh, And I think that that's primarily the reason why this type of discussion and I, I, I mean, granted, it might be something that I'm myself is, am just giving up on. Um, but I, I, I've had an open mind and I've had, uh, the drive to try to have a logical discussion with people. And it's just either too difficult or way too time consuming. You're tiptoeing around the debate and trying not to offend the person while, you're standing on one side where you're saying, I don't know if I believe in ghosts or I don't know if I believe in a higher being that is objectively uh, absorbed through the subject without any critical thinking on their part. Um, And let me dig into what exactly I mean by that. As I stated on the article at robertlego.org, um, there's a lot of logical fallacies in religion in that. And okay, let me take a step farther back than that. Um, a while back, I wanted to learn because I was getting into the uh, critical thinking and, and just uh, I, what some people would call um, uh, skeptical beliefs or conspiratorial beliefs. And so I really wanted to wrap my mind around how is it possible or how true are these uh, claims? And uh, uh, with any type of debate or argument, whether it's uh, religion, vaccines, government, any type of dialectic, which is where they give you the left and right, the uh, abortion, the what is it, the um, free... Uh, do you believe in what is it life choice pro choice or pro life and a pro choice is still pro life um uh, okay i'm i'm getting into attention but when you have pro choice you're saying that it's 
in some cases it's okay to uh, do abortions. Um, and it, it makes it sound like one is pro-killing and the other one is pro-letting the being live. Um, so anyway, any type of these debates, uh, you're given the left and the right. Now, um, am I losing my trail of thought? Oh, so what I wanted to do is I wanted to really find a formula, a method where I can really deduce whether the information is grounded on um, objectable um, uh, um, unarguable claims or at least somewhat logical arguments that you can uh, stand safely on one side or another. And so I started looking up things like how do I know something is not a lie or how do I find the truth in things? And that led me to Jan Irving's site. And I, I believe that uh, the... Oh, so what is it? Uh, School Sucks also touched on this. And even Stefan Molyneux touched on the trivium. Uh, now, the most important parts of the trivium, oh, I, I should say just uh, in a nutshell, the tr trivium is just broken down into three branches. And the first branch being grammar. It's understanding and defining the subject or uh, things that you're going to have discuss uh, discussion on. So, if, for example, if you're having a debate on UFOs, uh, the most important thing to do right when you start is to define what you um, classify as a UFO. Now, uh, obviously, UFO, if you're not familiar, is an unidentified flying object. So in other words, you can have a discussion about UFOs without even touching uh, the subject of aliens or alien life. All you're saying is that it's an object that you cannot define. So in other words, it could be in uh, government uh, craft. It could be a experiment it could be a hallucination it could be anything it's just uh, stating in saying the term ufo you're just saying that it was something that you saw that you could not identify uh and so when you're done um with the grammar which is just classifying and and titling different things you come to an agreement where you say let's agree that when we use the term UFO, you're saying that it's just something that you can't define. And then you can uh, maybe uh, classify all the different terms and subjects that might come up that can allow the conversation and debate to go further without much argument. And so that that's the most important probably in that you can't have a discussion on a subject without defining that subject. So then moving on to step two is the logic phase. And the logic is the processing of all that information. Excuse me. So what you do is you you start classifying everything. And in the logic process, this is where you start taking out contradictions. You start removing anything that is not... Uh, definitive. So in other words, if there is two classifications or definitions of a subject that, that contradict each other, uh, two of, uh, uh, one of two things can be possible. It could either be that that uh, definition is uh, one of the two is wrong 
or it could be that both of those definitions are wrong. They cannot both be accurate. And this is almost like what I've talked about before, where when you get into uh, classifying things and uh, almost like trying to define where the belief in uh, God and nature comes from. And, And I use those uh, interchangeably because the a lot of the pagan beliefs, pagan being any religion that's not Christian, uh, any of the other uh, beliefs that existed before Christianity came along, they respected nature. And this is something that cognitively I feel that we uh, actually have ingrained in us ever since we're children that you need to find patterns. So you, you are... are uh, psyche is very, um, how would you say, um, it, it has proclivity to look for things that repeat. And this is also why children want to see the, I don't know, uh, their favorite movie because they know the outcome. And in a world of uncertainty and a, a plainer existence that they are in where everything is new and nothing is logical to them. They want to find something that while it would be repetitive to any adult, they see um, a pattern in it. They see a um, uh, a reliable uh, sequence of events. And I feel that this is something that is, uh, how would you say, critical to us understanding that the, the world, the way the world works. Um, it, when it applies to nature and God, you could think of it as there is no contradictions in nature. Uh, so in other words, uh, certain classifications and uh, objects are not self-contradictory. You won't have... A tree that floats in the sky. You won't have a fish that flies. You won't have a bird that swims. Uh, these are all uh, things that, while we were trying to figure out what this world was and how to f- make sense of it, we tried to find um, how would you say characteristics of objects and and things that were a way to classify the uh, what we're looking at. Uh, so in other words, we can say that uh, that's a bird and a bird has these characteristics. So if one of those ca- characteristics is wrong, then it's either a new class of creature or it's not a bird. Um, so again, that's the logic phase. Uh, and, and you can almost think of it as computer terms as well in that grammar. It's almost like the programming that the computer has, all the understanding and Uh, coding that goes into creating the machine in the first place Uh, logic and and, um, uh, sorry I'm I'm probably butchering that let me make it easier grammar logic and then the third one rhetoric so grammar is you inputting something into the computer you're typing a website you're uh, doing a search whatever it is that you want you're clicking a folder you're turning the power on and then it processes its information in the second step and then you get the result whether it's the result is uh, the printing of your homework your report the uh, display of the website on the monitor and uh, so that's an output so it's input process output Uh, and of course now things are a little more complicated in that we have touch screens so a touch uh monitor is not only an output anymore it's also an input 
Uh, but nonetheless, even if it was just a giant monitor where everything is uh, inputted and outputted through that monitor, then in the end, it's still just the same process. It's input. You click on the screen and try to type in whatever you want. It processes the information and gives you the rhetoric, the output. So on rhetoric, this is when uh, you've deduced, you've extrapolated, you've uh, formulated a uh, a theory, a thesis, um, an end result of what the information was a part of. So um, information, you can almost break it down into two parts. It's that it's forming something, some idea. Uh, so you got to gather all that information, you got to process it all and organize it, and then you compile it and, and output it in whatever method that you want. Now, it's very important to realize that this is a specific order in how nature works. So this is why this method is used to uh, give understanding of what this world is. And there's lots of uh, ideas and, and theories popping up that are trying to break this down. Uh, of course, religion being the primary one. But just to touch on another that Jan Irving and Gnostic Media has pointed out as well is the quantum theory explanation. And I don't know, I, I've seen documentaries that are like five hours long trying to explain what this whole um, science is. But I don't know, to be completely honest, where I stand in it. I, I've talked to people that are much brighter than I am uh, and tried to uh, wrap my mind around this concept. And it, it's just way out there. Um, this is something that we're seeing in, in the media constantly. And in the end, all that does is that it confuses our conception of reality. The possibility of multiple universes existing at once or that uh, matter can both exist and not exist. It's very reminiscent of what uh, theology is, um, uh, uh, God worship and, and just a belief in something that is and is not. Uh, so uh, there's a lot of uh, different, I don't know if they're necessarily experiments because it, what do they call it? They call it something like, um, um, geez, it, it, it's a not like almost like a non-reality in that, uh, what is it? The, um, the cat, geez, the cat experiment. Let me see if I can look it up as I'm speaking. Um, cat experiment. As you see, I should have been uh, Schrodinger's cat. So the Schrodinger cat experiment is, uh, in a nutshell, it's really just a, an experiment where uh, imagine that there's a cat that's been put into a box. Now, there's a random trigger that can or cannot go off at any point in time and kill the cat. Now, without you observing what state the cat is in, before you open that box, the argument is that there's two existing universes, one where the cat exists and one where the cat is dead. And 
all these realities are existing all at once. So rather than uh, say that every choice has a different outcome and all of reality moves in that outcome is possibility, it's saying that no, all the different outcomes are existing all at once and your consciousness is forcing you to one of those multiple realities uh, at every waking moment of your existence. And so there's there's, uh, different possibilities and existences that are simultaneously um, existing all at once you can you can see how challenging it is to really understand and believe something like this so uh, again i don't know that i'm really uh looking at it in a favorable light but i just it's very difficult for me to believe that as we speak right now there's multiple realities happening all at once and it, the ar- argument for schrodinger's cat is explained on the cracked podcast in a different way where uh and, and if i was ready for this or knew that this discussion was going to go in this direction i would have had the um the podcast for you but um let me see if i can find it before i post the article i will um post it up and if not, you're going to need to do the work yourself. Um, so what they explain is that now your reality is almost like the, what is it, 90s movie, The One, where Jet Li is going around killing all his different, um, not clones, but all his other realities. So he's going to different dimensions, killing the other version of himself, and that is allowing him to have more concentrated energy in his current existence. Um, kind of a fun movie, cool martial arts and uh, a bit cheesy, but it's uh, probably a fun one to really understand that. But what the Crack Podcast explains is that if you, for example, have a gun up to your head and it's a six barrel, so you roll it, you put it up to your head and you're going to pull the trigger, there's a one in sixth chance that, of course, ignoring the possibility of the gun jamming, there's a one in six chance that you're going to pull that trigger and the bullet's going to kill you. But in that choice alone of pulling the trigger, there is six different universes. Um, Of course, five where you pull the trigger, it clicked, you didn't do anything, laughed it off and you went home. And in one of those realities, you actually did get the bullet and you shot yourself. Now, what they argue is that your consciousness switches over to one of the other realities. So in other words, to your perception, you're always going to pull the trigger and it's going to fail. You're not going to manage to kill yourself because all you're doing is just swapping to another universe. Um, Again, this type of... um, uh, thinking is very difficult to understand and uh, what is it theoretical science I believe is what they call it Um, but so this all confuses what we have uh, as a defining characteristic of what um, consciousness is so for the um, how would you say for for our sanity for for choosing something that uh is is uh not going to waste your time i would just ignore all those uh claims so 
just uh, saying that what we're classifying as reality is what we can perceive through our senses. And um, just to kind of sidestep into the conversation, the whole thing that this article and podcast was about, religion, when you try to break down uh, why you should or why you can or cannot believe in a religious belief, it never gets to through the first and second step of uh, the trivium. Remember, um, defining, processing, and output. Um, and uh, actually, if you're interested in the trivium, I highly recommend that you go to Jan Irving's site at GnosticMedia.com. Uh, search the trivium. And I know that there's a trivium binder project. And uh, one of the biggest things is I would say start reading the logical fallacies. Um, it's probably a really good idea to have a lot of those in the back of your mind and uh, to have an understanding of what type of cycles are troublesome when you're trying to uh, classify reality and uh, whether you're being uh, fed the right information or not. And again, very, very important to always make sure that it's in that order. Grammar, logic, rhetoric. Uh, what is it? Knowledge, um, knowledge, well, grammar, logic, understanding, uh, knowledge, wisdom, Knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Knowledge, wisdom, understanding. I believe that I might be getting those wrong, but um, you can't jump to step one without going to through step one. So, uh, in other words, you can't debate an object. Thank you. You can't debate an object or a, a the existence of something without defining what that something is. Um, and let me get a drink of water. So in, um, in religious debate, what you are asked to, um, above all is to ignore the logic phase. Uh, and I say that because you're not going to be able to classify the, what, um, what God existing really um, is um, as, as you can see I struggle to really explain this without um, trying to sound too um, unfair um, so when you say when somebody asks you so you don't believe in God then you're an atheist or agnostic um, and I, I kind of like that, even though it's dangerous to classify yourself as any type of group, I kind of like the term agnostic a little better than atheist. Atheist is just saying that there is no God and saying that there is or there is not a God is silly because uh, we're really talking about something that is above our understanding, above our concept of reality. Uh, and so just that alone is, is just difficult to say. And not only that, but anybody that tells you that they know the answer one way or another is not the person that you want to talk to if you're trying to uh, have an understanding of uh, what you want to believe yourself. Um, 
if you really want to make up your own mind, you don't want a person that says, hey, I've made up my mind. Let me show you why I believe this. You want to go into it objectively absorbing the information and deciding what you believe after the fact, after all the information has been presented. Um, and then you can see how difficult this would be for uh, having a debate on religion or God. Now, so the reason why I say you can't even get through the first and second step of the trivium when you're talking about God is that if somebody asks you, so you don't believe in God, um, you have to, of course, go to the grammar stage and define what God is. And so you say that, okay, so what do you classify as God? Well, it's this uh, loving being that's up in the heavens and he helps you and fills your heart with love and helps you get into uh, salvation, into the heavens. He he loves you. He's your father. He's He created you. Now, you on the on the logic phase of the trivium you're supposed to use your five senses and so this is where a lot of the beliefs in elves and i don't know maybe even like bigfoot aliens ghosts all these um supernatural beliefs start to um get questioned in in uh, how would you say in uh dramatical way and a difficult way for those that do believe in it in that when you're talking about believing in ghosts the things that they use to measure to figure out if there's a ghost or not are things like uh, uh, electronic meters now uh, there's always especially if you live in the city there's always magnetic forces that are flying through the air um, electrical a very, um, it could even be like higher voltages that are uh, being um, pumped out through different appliances. And uh, as far as I know, they're not uh, as harmful, but there's, there is debate on that. But the thing is that the instruments that they're using to try to capture a ghost are shoddy. It's trying to s capture a ghost through recording static and then trying to listen to see if there's any, um, uh, how would you say, any um, uh, any wavelengths that kind of suggest that there is or isn't uh, a, uh, a voice or an energy there. And this kind of uh, also makes the belief in God almost fall apart because um, I, I believe that it might have been Carl Sagan uh, because I heard it on a podcast recently where they brought it up. So unfortunately I didn't look it up, but nonetheless, the argument itself is an interesting one. Um, Stefan Molyneux explained it as an invisible being or a God that is sitting on your head, let's say. Um, but, uh, the way that it was explained, it, it was kind of new to me, so I kind of find it, um, I, I kind of um, feel like it's a, a, a fun one. So you say to your friend, hey, I got a dragon in my garage. Oh, really? So then you roll up the garage door, and your friend is kind of looking around, and you're like, oh, no, 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 the dragon is invisible. You You can't see it. So then uh, he says, oh, how about we drop some powder on the floor 
so that we can see his footsteps and see that it's there. He says, no, 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 it's uh, hovering a couple inches above the floor. Oh, okay, so let me um, get this infrared sensor and see if I can get a heat signature on it. No, 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 it's uh, cold-blooded. It doesn't do that. Okay, well, let let me get a a thermometer and, and read the flames coming out of the dragon's mouth and see the variations in temperature in this garage. And then he says, no, 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 the flame that he throws out is actually a blue flame. It's not, it's cold to the touch. So you, you can't measure that. And so the argument keeps unfolding farther and farther to the point where you got to ask yourself now, what difference does it make whether there is or is not a dragon in your friend's garage if everything that you're going to try to measure reads a negative? Um, this is also the debate on trying to prove a negative. You can't prove a negative. You can't be HIV negative. You can only uh, confirm the existence of something. And so the... Uh, the way that Stefan Molyneux explains is, is you have a friend that says, hey, I have a magical spider that's on my head. It's I'm wearing it like a hat. So then your friend reaches over to try to touch it. No, 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 it it's doesn't have matter. Um, same, same thing, temperature, smell, touch, taste, and none of it works. Now, what both these examples really explain is that Regardless of whether that being exists or not, if you can't objectively observe the existence of it, then it makes no difference whether it exists or not. Uh, And this is difficult because uh, with the existence of a higher being, this is exactly what you're asked to believe. Uh, And so it's very circular logic in saying that it's, proves itself uh that that's uh, I'll, I'll get into that with the existence or the belief in the um is it ethereal the the belief in that the uh gospels are inspired by a higher uh presence um but so so god the existence of god is is very tricky to try to um grammatically categorize in that people will tell you, oh, a spiritual feeling is actually a lot more powerful than a physical one. Yet the spiritual feeling is something that needs to be experienced objectively. And you can't have somebody feel God. You can't take them into a room and tell them here, I experienced it this way here. You can experience it that way. Uh, this is something that like Morpheus says in the matrix, he says, it's something that you need to experience for yourself. Now, uh, I, 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 I proceed with trepidation in trying not to sound condescending or to ridicule, but this is truly the way that it was uh, told to me after I had a long discussion with a Christian that, uh, he actually seemed very down to earth, very logical to begin with. And then just like with all discussions that I have with, uh, theists, it started to get a little difficult and awkward and uncomfortable. But he said, the moment that you accept Christ in your heart is the moment that you're going to understand. And really understanding comes from having, uh, 
how would you say, having um, information point you in one direction and not allowing you to doubt that something is the way that, that it's claimed. So in other words, experimentation, scientific discovery will lead to uh, a belief, uh, a theory in something that would be considered into almost like a law, a law of nature, a non-contradictory claim of uh, in existence or a uh, action in our physical world. So in other words, what I'm told to have always is faith. Now let's grammatically break down faith. Faith is, if you look at the definition, it's the belief in something with the lack of evidence. So in other words, what I'm told is you're thinking too hard. You're trying too hard. Jump the gram, grandma, grammatological, gram, grandma, grammar, <laughs> you skip the grammar phase and jump into the logic phase and you'll be able to understand. It'll all make sense after that. So in other words, stop thinking and you'll understand. And I don't see how somebody can, with a straight face can say something like that and saying you, once you stop thinking, you'll truly understand and it'll all make sense. When the uh, exploration of our world and the understanding of uh, the concept of reality of our consciousness is all based on the understanding and the logical thinking and uh, experimentation and, and a collection and collaboration of uh, laws of nature and how th things in reality do not contradict and something is or is not. It cannot be both things. So uh, this is a problem when you say things like uh, God is um, the the incarnate, the Jesus Christ figure that came to earth in human bodily form and lived for, what is it, 33 years, a nice Masonic number, from the year zero, or I know that's under debate as well, but he, he was a physical formed being. Uh, he was born of an immaculate conception. Of course, that has problems in itself. And a lot of, um, how would you say, there's a lot of evidence that this uh, belief, this story, this rhetoric has been told many, many times before, uh, before the uh, conception of the Bible, um, ignoring also that the Bible in the Old Testament, to, the New Testament versus the New Testament has very uh, a lot of similarities. Um, as uh, Joe Atwell says in his book, uh, the the typography. There's a very interesting craftsmanship that they did in the New Testament where they got texts from all different uh, beliefs and a lot of different stories that existed before the conception of the Bible. Uh, and the typology is a term that he uses. I don't know if he coined it, but it's uh, almost like directors will have a scene that references another film, almost like a tip of the cap, like respecting it. And it's almost like an inside joke. And the Old Testament has a lot of this uh, as compared to, um, or I should say the New Testament uh, uh, in reference to the uh, Old Testament. And it, um, 
one of the big ones is uh, the children being uh, massacred at the beginning of both books and the salvation of the godly being um, uh, coming about by hiding him from the tyrannical rule of a empire. And this is what uh, also typologically references the Greek mythological story in that Zeus was saved by I, I, I might have I know that it's the Titans, but I'm not sure if it was Kronos himself. But anyway, uh, this Titan was eating a lot of the children uh, in its time in the Greek mythological scripture or text, a story, uh, myth, whatever you want to call it. But um, Zeus was saved by being, uh, what is it, placed in a basket and sent down the river. And it, it's very reminiscent of the Old Testament with Moses and I believe the Jesus story as well. Uh, and so typology is what uh, Joseph Atwell really uh, bases all, a lot of his beliefs on in that he started studying the New Testament and found a lot of correlation. Um, again, typology, as he says it, in a book called The War of the Jews and the New Testament itself. There's... Uh, quite a bit of, in quotation marks, coincidences that are uh, a little bit far-fetched to believe that the sequence of events happen in the exact order, in the exact sequence that uh, parallels its, its um, uh, parallels the other story almost as uh, an impossibility in, in mine and his opinion. Um, so, Circular reasoning or um, the the logical fallacy of um, begging the question, I believe. Uh, I know that they have a Latin um, title for a lot of the logical fallacies, but really it's using the uh, object in discussion as um, both the thing you're trying to prove and the thing that you're using to prove it. Uh, this is very evident when you talk about the um, the idea that the Bible is inspired by uh, by God, and of course they say yes, it's written by man but inspired by God. Now, if you want to objectively uh, criticize that claim, the only thing that the person, the theist, can um, explain or say that it really proves that this is the way that it is, is the Bible itself. So in, in other words, the Bible is written by God, written by man, inspired by God. How do you know that? Oh, because it says right here on this page in, in the Bible. So you're trying to prove the validity of a claim, and then you're using the same claim itself to try to prove that, um, that accuracy. And no uh, place in our rational world would this be fair. You um, you would fall into uh, almost like a dictatorship to say that it is because I say that it is. Um, this is something that a tyrannical emperor would say, not somebody that's logically trying to make you get understanding of something that doesn't make sense to you. Um, but... Just to get back to why this whole audio had to be recorded alone, and maybe a lot more of the audios that I do in the future are going to 
just entail my nasally um, annoying voice is that I still have not found someone that can have a good discussion or a fair and logical discussion on uh, the belief. And when I start to question a lot of the claims or beliefs that somebody else might hold uh, close to them, it starts to get very um, personal. And I, I think that, um, and I'm sure that I have it in, in as far as uh, certain beliefs that I have. I'm sure that we all have um, these feelings one way or another. Uh, but it, it's difficult to question something that people hold so dear to them that it's something that they're basing their existence on. And for you to say, you know what, these are the things that just don't make sense to me. And you to have somewhat of a fair discussion is, um, I'm beginning to understand almost an impossibility. It's, uh, something that, um, there's, there's a very, um, clear reason why these uh the three subjects the religion politics and um i forget what the other one is but these are things that you don't bring up at work or with people that you don't want to offend um and uh what is it stefan malini also says that there's three existing cults today it's religion government and family and when you start touching any of these three subjects, you are quickly going to be exiled or attacked verbally um, in that if you, oh, I'll try to get an example of each of them, uh, politics, if you start to say, you know what, this candidate is wrong for this reason, the person will start to get very angry with you and will start to have problems with, with the things that you're saying not because you don't have any clear points, but because they've already uh, felt an attachment to what they've uh, decided on. And it's very difficult for us as um, rational beings to change our mind because we like to think that the decisions that, or I should say the beliefs that we hold dear to us were something that we just didn't uh, absorb and regurgitate that it was something that we really just objectively looked at and decided on, which is oftentimes not the case. So where was I? Um, um, politics, uh, religion, of course, as I've been talking about on this audio, it's, it's very, very difficult to say, you know what, this is why I think your God is not as loving and, and uh, accepting as... Um, as you believe he is, he actually sounds a little more evil uh, uh, from my perspective. And it, that's such a difficult thing to say to somebody that believes in it. Uh, and then family, if you start to, let's say, tell someone that, hey, you know what? I think that your brother or your sister is um, has a problem and that they should go about solving this problem in this way. Um, you're going to quickly find that you made a mistake in trying to suggest something of somebody's family. Uh, um, what is the whole thing? The uh, blood is uh, blood is thicker than water. Um, and uh, then again, it's also 
almost like a societal um, programming that we have to hold any of these three um, cults, as Molyneux says, uh, from Free Domain Radio, by the way, if you're curious to listen to him. A lot of his audios are online. You can search by religion or whatever you want to learn. Uh, One second. And you're probably asking, why doesn't he just pause the audio to take a sip of his water? But um, it's actually because I'm running two recorders right now. I'm trying to continue recording from my mixer so that I can take advantage of the Behringer mic that I have. Um, and not my Tascan audio recorder. So that one's more like on the go. So I'm trying really hard not to cough or swallow hard or do anything like that because I have to hit two pause buttons or edit, and I really don't want to do that. Um, So yeah, the three cults, and it's very difficult to get somebody to have a different understanding or um, an understanding of a perspective that is not exactly aligned with what they believe in. Uh, and, um, granted I am honestly, and this is me being completely honest. I'm not trying to feed the article or any claims on the podcast itself. I'm at a point where, uh, and this is partly why I'm kind of giving up on, uh, I'll, I'll still have my eyes and ears open for somebody that might come along that can have a debate, but I'm kind of giving up on, Um, having a discussion about this subject itself Um, unless I can get in touch with uh, one of uh, a friend that I knew a while back Uh, he actually studied theology and I feel that he's probably one of the best uh, people out there to uh, have a discussion that I find would be interesting enough Uh, other than that it would just almost seem like bullying or unfairly attacking someone's um, theological beliefs. Um, but in in the end, it honestly makes me really question what the whole um, purpose behind trying to do that is. Uh, and, and I say that in, in that when somebody starts to want or have a some sort of discussion on what my religious political or um uh, beliefs in any type of uh a thing like that of course as um i know it was one of the great thinkers back in the day it might have been plato or socrates or somebody that a, a a wise man will never give you a definitive answer. A wise man will always tell you, well, on one hand you have this, and on the other hand or belief you have this other side. And that's kind of where I stand. And one of the big parts of it is that we're not changing anybody's mind. I don't know that I'll ever have a discussion with somebody that would decide you know what you're right there probably is not a god at least not in the defining characteristics that they've been um, presenting to us Um, that's never going to happen the people that are curious and might break away from theological thinking are already 
uh, programmed, no, not in a negative way, but I mean that the the splinter in the mind, as Morpheus, Morpheus says in the Matrix, the 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 virus that's growing inside their logical analysis is already there to begin with, and I, I feel that almost uh, to an extent, I through my thought process have uh, developed that and I've gone so far in that because I, I value logical critical thinking so much I don't know that I can ever go back to uh, theology and this is uh, something that frankly um, I, I mean to almost sound a bit dramatical it's almost like you're out on your own. So how should I say this? If you have somebody that's um, in, in the hospital and you don't know if they're going to make it or not, it's very easy to deal with that experience from a theological perspective because all you got to do is pray, have faith, and God will will take it into his own hands and take care of it. Now, if the person dies, it was God's choice. God decided that for whatever reason, it was better for that person not to exist in this plane. Now, if the person is uh, alive and well after the uh, scenario I'm, I'm painting, it, then it was a miracle. You title it as a miracle. It's almost like the uh, the thing where you might think of your friend, your phone suddenly rings, you look over and it's the friend you were thinking of. Now, unless you believe in um, uh, telepathy or any um, supernatural abilities of the brain, then you probably might just say, wow, what a crazy coincidence. Um, oh, what was I getting at with that? Um, and I think that there is something... Um, easy or um, nurturing about having a belief in uh, a God. And for me to try to take that away from somebody would be very evil, just like I wouldn't want somebody to con try to convince me that there is a God without it being welcomed. I wouldn't want to try to impose that on somebody. I mean, it, it's the exact polar opposite. And, it, and not only... Uh, something that I missed earlier. Um, there is a dialectic, but there is middle ground, and that would be the agnostic uh, view of theology. So in other words, on one side, you have the believers, the people that without a doubt tell you straight to your face, making eye contact with wholehearted uh, comments that they believe in a God, that they felt him, that they saw him, that whatever experience that, that uh, engraved this belief, they hold dear and they say that this is real, this is in existence. Now, on the opposite side, you have the atheist, the atheist saying that, no, there is not a God. And again, you're standing in the middle trying to make sense of the two. And this is where the agnostic view comes in. And that, that's just in saying that, with the information and tools that have been presented to me, I don't know that I can make a logical decision on whether I believe or not believe that there is a godly being. 
Um, and it, some people scoff at it and make fun saying that it will, that's, uh, not deciding. That's not saying that you do or do not believe that's avoiding the question. But I think that there's some value in saying, you know what, if there is a God, maybe my feeble mind is not able to wrap its, uh, um, understanding around a being that is so complex that created everything that surrounds me right now. Um, I think of the complexity of our world, the complexity of laws of nature, uh, biology. uh, I don't know. um, uh, Geology and anything that exists in the world around you. It's very complex. You can spend a lifetime trying to understand any one of these ologies. And in the end, you're still not going to be an expert in it. Uh, I mean, it it might be fair to even say that no one can be an expert in one thing because there's always a growing uh, knowledge and understanding and, and more breakthroughs in whatever it is that you're studying. I, I get this in my work in the elevator trade. And this is, one of the reasons why I love it so much in that it's always keeping me on my toes. There's always a new problem. I, I'll get to the uh, equipment. I'll uh, kind of tell myself, okay, um, okay, elevator, talk to me. Tell me, what are you doing? What are you not doing? And in the process, of course, you you study that. You study the process of circuitry, the way electricity works, the way the components in the uh, wiring uh, how they should behave. And uh, a lot of times you're given almost like a framework of what it's doing and what it's not supposed to be doing. And through analysis and experimentation, you figure out what component or what is wrong with the equipment. This is basically the process of repairing any type of equipment. Uh, and this is why uh, a critical thinker can almost fix anything because they can pop open your camera, your phone, your MP3 player. And uh, if they have tools at their disposal and an understanding of what uh, what they're dealing with, that they can figure out what is going wrong in this process. Um, and um, oh, I forgot why I got into that um, tangent. Um, now, um, the debate I would say is over before it even begins, because again, you're not going to change anybody's mind. And even if you did, how unfair would it be? Um, it's not almost like a, uh, if you want to look at it as like a heroic, uh, way of, of freeing people because the world is filled with uncertainty. And there is things in this world that are unsatisfactory, un, un, um, things that happen to us that nobody would want uh, to happen. And uh, in the end, it, there's too much in this world that is, um, for the lack of a better word, scary. There, there's many, many things around us that we can fear and we can feel anxiety about. And for somebody, it's almost like I kind of envy um, the fact that somebody that believes in uh, a being uh, that is greater than us, that can 
decide on things. And again, it doesn't mean that there's not going to be hardship and uh, pain. It just means that there's a formula to it. Uh, and I, I have mentioned in the audios before that while I don't believe in God with a big G, uh, or, or even small G, just gods in general, um, I don't, or I, I shouldn't say I don't believe, I should say that I don't um, believe in the existence of it, but I don't know that there isn't. Again, it, it'd be silly for me to sit here and tell you in this audio that there is or is not a God. Uh, but when somebody is uh, presenting a claim, what is it? The, the onus of proof? The onus of proof lands on the person that's making the claim. So in other words... If somebody comes up to you and makes a claim about something, it, it's not um, it's in their uh, hands to try to prove to you that what they're claiming is correct. Uh, it's not your job to try to go and disprove them because you're not the one making the claim. Um, you can choose to reject it or ignore what it is that they're saying, but to disprove it. Uh, requires work on your part. And if if it's not something that you're proposing, that's almost like a waste of time to try to um, argue it. Now, uh, from a different perspective, the way I see it, and this, this is also why... Excuse me, dry mouth. Um, this is also why... Um, I, while it is scary that if something is going wrong in my world, I can't say, oh my God, help me uh, and, and pray and hope that things get better. Uh, and that, that's a scary fact to be completely honest. It's a, um, it's kind of damning to feel that if the, um, if everything does start to fall apart, things are in your hands and you need to figure out how to resolve the problem yourself. You can't expect the father figure, the ethereal um, being to be there and to fix your problems for you. You're a responsible adult and you're responsible for your own existence and actions. Um, but from a different perspective, it's um, picture it as a, uh, here's an analogy, as a student. If a student is struggling to understand or to learn uh, the information, then I, I almost feel like there's one of two things that could be possible. Either the type of uh, the way that the information is being presented to the student is not uh, formulated in a way that the student can absorb and, and accept. Uh, so meaning that the, um, the teacher is the problem. The teacher's not presenting the information the way that the student can absorb it. Or it's the failure of the student to absorb the logical information that's presented. So it's either the observer not absorbing the information or it's the presenter not presenting the information to the observer. Uh, I hope I didn't make it more complicated. And this is where I uh, try to logically make sense of this uh, uh, to kind of uh, justify the the whole fear end of it that if... Um, uh, of course, ignoring the claim that just by suggesting this, I'm going to rot in hell for eternity. Um, do uh, primarily thanks to these, this um, all-loving God that 
created me and loves me with all his heart. But just the fact that I question and say, you know what, that doesn't make sense to me. Then boom, I'm teleported to a fiery inferno where I'm going to be tortured forever. Um, even if it's not by God, he's allowing it to take place. Uh, and that that's very problematic because there is no free will then. Uh, it's almost like if I said, and I, I believe Stefan Molyneux kind of says it this way as well. He says, you can walk out of this room right now, but the moment that you do your, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to throw something at you. I'm going to uh, hurt you. Um, but you can you can walk out of this room. You can. So this is basically the argument of free will, that you have free will to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But if you don't, the result of that choice is damnation. It's torture forever. Um, and I don't know about you, but any father that presents that choice to a child is a tyrannical um, horrible uh, teacher. It's uh, it's the um, uh, it's it's forcing somebody um, uh, logically forcing somebody to make a choice. It, it's not free will when you present all the options as favorable in one direction and not the other. Um, so. What I try to explain to believers is that, look, I don't want any part in it. It's not that I, I'm choosing the devil's side. Um, I'm just, I don't want any part of it. It doesn't make sense to me, so I'm not going to accept something that doesn't make sense. I have a lack of faith. Remember, lack of faith. Faith is believing something without evidence. So you're asking me to believe in something to which you can't, give me evidence for you can't how would you say you can't give me uh arguments that i cannot um shoot down that i can't with my critical thinking um disprove and um and yeah so that that's the whole argument of free will yeah you have free will but one of those two options that you have is um favorable over the other uh, and, um, in, in the other, it's just reward. It's just bliss. You just go to heaven. You're hanging out with God and everything is great. Um, I don't, I, I struggle to wrap my mind around how this is, uh, logical to someone and that you can't, um, that you can't, um, how would you say you can't choose neither you can't say uh, and it, it, it's evident too when you're talking to somebody and you're telling them like, you know what um, I'm, I'm falling away from the faith the oftentimes the reaction to this is that oh you're a Satanist and I've got this with my own family and it was a little bit uh, silly and uh, odd to try to explain to people that look, listen to me. I'm not a Satanist. I just don't believe in the faith. I I don't know what I believe in, uh, but I don't believe in that. And then they just automatically jump to, um, you're a Satanist. You believe in Satan. And um, I, I guess I can start to wrap this one up. 
uh, pretty soon. Um, and by the way, if you care to hear more of this, um, leave a comment on robertlego.org down at the bottom. It's either comments or, uh, let me see. Uh, let me see what it says exactly. Um, yeah, go to robertlego.org all the way to the bottom and it says feedback. Click on that feedback, post something on there and let me know if you're liking uh, the audio and you want to uh, suggest a certain topic or I, if you're out there and you're listening to this and you'd like to have a, a debate with very little emotion on this this or uh, other subjects, um, let me know. Um, I, I kind of hold back from posting up my email on my site, but throw a comment on there. I'll contact you and I, I can try to arrange something. I, I really like these discussions. It's just that I still have not met anyone that would have a favorable discussion and uh, not be uh, irate or offended by the end of the uh, discussion. Um, but I'll, I'll end with, um, I, I heard an audio book on, um, I want to say it was Sitchin. No. Oh man. God is not great. Uh, here I go online again. God is not great. Um, Christopher Hitchens. Yeah. Hitchens, right? Um, great, great, uh, book. A really interesting <clears throat> and um, another great book if you're kind of uh, uh, bordering the belief and non-belief uh, or uh, disbelief in the faith I should say maybe um, God Delusion a good book too but um, uh, the book your church doesn't want you to read is a good one and above all I think the one that really truly gives us the best understanding of where uh, the Christianity and the Bible and uh, all of the faith related to uh, the Bible uh, is derived from is Joe Atwell's book, The Caesar's Messiah. And I'm sure you could find podcasts with him, interviews, um, or just uh, Google typology. Um, Joe Atwell has a website as well where you can read a lot of free stuff if you don't want to purchase his book. But I highly, highly recommend this book. It's a little heavy uh, and it has a lot of citations and a lot of quotes. So it, it's probably uh, at this point, I would honestly say that it's one of the best books in understanding where uh, the faith came from and how it was formulated into the book that we know as the Bible. Um, but. Another, um, I, I believe he calls himself an atheist that I highly value is uh, Penn Jillette. Uh, he has a podcast and um, I believe it's, yeah, it's, it's Penn's Sunday School. Um, he has a band as well where he does a couple of songs, uh, beautiful songs on uh, not believing in God. Uh, uh, that almost sounds like a, uh, self-contradictory uh, statement, but so he uh, has, um, I believe this, uh, or he helped form the church, the church of bacon. And it's a lot of, uh, the church of bacon is actually a thing where any type of uh, belief is accept, 
did, I believe. Um, but there's a lot of non-believers. Um, and so uh, one of the terms that he uses that I, I find so in- incredibly uh, accepting and very beautiful is love needs no God. Um, back to Stephen Molyneux, he uses this to explain that you cannot be altruistic. Of course, altruistic is being truly good in all directions, so not favoring one or another, not helping one to harm the other, or while helping one harming the other, just being good to all. Um, being altruistic has to stand aside from uh, being a believer in God, in the sense that um if you are doing good deeds around your neighborhood because the Bible told you to do it or God said that you'd go to heaven if you do such acts, you're doing it because of that statement. Your your actions are being influenced. They're being affected by what you think is the result of that action. So you're doing good things to your fellow man Um not because it's good, because it stands alone as a favorable act, but because you're told that you're going to heaven. So if your actions are predicated on going to heaven and having God accept you and say that you're a good person, then you can't be altruistic. It's a self-contradictory statement to say you're altruistic and you're a believer because the belief itself is forcing you into that state. It's forcing your actions in that direction. Uh, And the act itself cannot stand on its own. I hope I don't butcher this, but somebody went up to Pendulette on, I think it was last month's podcast somewhere. And they said, um, God is good. Good is God. And they can't stand on themselves. And so he easily explained, okay, do you believe that there is good? Um, And... She says, yes. Um, So there is good actions. There's good things. There's good in the world. Yes. That is the existence of good without God. Um, You can't classify God as good without saying that good exists. Um, And uh, good standing outside of God uh, is a separation of it, of course. And God cannot be uh, good without good being classified on its own. Um, again, I might be butchering this, but um, it, it made a lot of sense the way that he was uh, explaining it. And in a nutshell, the term love needs no God is really just saying that if you want to do good, don't use God as a reason. You do good because you feel that it's the right thing to do. Don't do it because a book or a being or a voice told you to do it. Do it because it's the right thing to do. You don't need a reason to be a good person. Uh, This is also the argument for uh, why religion exists. He says, uh, like uh, a believer might even say this to you in saying that without the Bible, how would people know if things are good or bad? And this is um, such a silly thing in that even a a feeble-minded child, uh, uh, feeble in the sense that they are unexperienced, not uh, uh, deficient, but 
the the child will start to conceptualize what is right and wrong. Um, I, of course, a lot of the um, the the decisions on this are based on emotion and feeling and uh, things being painful or not. Like a child will quickly understand that if somebody hits me, it hurts. Therefore, I shouldn't hit other people because I'm causing hurt. I'm causing pain. Uh, and this is something that I feel that it's it's ingrained naturally inside us in that unless you're uh, sociopathic, psychopathic, uh, messed up, deranged person, you will know that killing somebody is probably not a good thing. It's not nice to kill people. Uh, and it's not something that every single child has to be sat down and and said, now listen, honey, you shouldn't kill. You shouldn't cause harm. You shouldn't hurt people's feelings. This isn't something that um, is, um, how would you say, is programmed inside us. It's innate. Uh, These types of feelings are, uh, again, for the majority, they're just a natural, fairly normal human being. These things are innate. And if, uh, if God wanted certain beliefs to be inside us, uh, even the belief in him, in him, then I feel that it would be a little more innate than uh, what it is today. And uh, granted, most societies throughout time do believe in um religions and and gods and and things that are bigger and and grander than them but it's not like it's innate it's something that has been given to us and primarily fed by the the fear the fear of the unknown the fear of what happens when i die and where do i go and how do i make sure that there's no pain and suffering which um it's kind of odd because when you die uh, feelings, uh, f- uh, feelings, um, sensory input is primarily, uh, absorbed through the physical body. And so to say that you're going to feel burning or hunger or, um, uh, just, just pain in general, physical pain is silly to attach to an, a spirit because when you die, you're leaving your a physical form behind. And so most of the claims that are given to you as reasons why you should believe in God and not go to hell are attached to the physical being. And uh, you're talking about a spirit and a ghost and you're saying that you're going to be burned. Well, how do we even know that a spirit can feel burn? Um, even if you uh, take the anecdotal beliefs that we can leave our body, that we can astral project or have an out-of-body experience, uh, we don't have any, as far as I know, any um, uh, uh, subjective claims, uh, anecdotal claims saying that, you know what, I felt like my soul was burnt when I touched that object or, or anything like that. Um, because those are uh, feelings and sensations. They're, it's sensory input into your brain uh, based on a physical form. And when you don't have that physical form, if you're, let's say, on a flotation tank or uh, on a psychedelic or uh, any kind of substance that alters your mind and you're you're disconnected from your physical being, you're not going to use um, 
uh, words to describe sensory input in the same way. And if you do, you'll always feel like you're not formulating your experience in a just way. You're trying to explain an experience that has no words to explain. Uh, and this is what a lot of people say when they try psychedelics like mushrooms, ayahuasca, peyote, salvia. They're experiences that are so distant from our conception of reality that they're difficult to explain in the vocabulary that we have as as humans or our our senses, our, our synapses absorbing um, inputs. Um, so... Uh, what else was I going to say about that? Um, love needs no God. That, um, oh, so uh, if I didn't, let me just repeat and then I'll I'll end this audio. Uh, that if there truly was a God and, oh, how dare I even suggest that I can go to this side and um, um, I'll, yeah, I probably will put the uh, video I'll recommend it here if you're just listening to the audio. Um, Bo Burnham. Look up Bo Burnham. Uh, maybe Perspective of God. Perspective of God. And it, this is his, um, his special that he did where he... Um, writes a song from the perspective of God. And uh, let me copy this link. I'll put it on the show, on the blog. Um, so yeah, um, From God's Perspective is a video you're looking for by Bo Burnham. Uh, so perspective of God. And I think that it, I mean, from God's perspective or... It, uh, I, see, I, I still even hesitate uh, with that. From a perspective of a teacher, if I was trying to teach someone and every step of the way they questioned and the validity of any of my claims, I would think honestly that that is my best student. I think that if someone is the type to never accept anything on faith, again, um, a claim without evidence, if someone is avoiding believing in anything without uh, logical, um, uh, acceptable terms, then um, that is a rational, smart person. The person that says, oh, you say it is that way? Okay, yeah, it is that way. Uh, it, that sounds like a dictatorship to me. That sounds like there's a leader saying the sky is green. Okay, the sky is green. And everybody's repeating the sky is green. The sky is green. Who in their right mind would say that that's a critical, logical thought process and uh, uh, ultimately deriving, uh, how would you say, a smart uh, logical reasoning to the uh, conception of our uh, existence. Nobody would. But uh, from the teacher's perspective, the person that always questions and always has that question, well, you say this, how is it that they know that? Well, the experimentation proves blah, blah, blah. That's basically what science is using. And of course, science can be manipulated just like anything else. You can run studies and you can fix experiments to always have the desired outcome. But 
that's that's manipulating nature. That's uh, fidgeting with numbers and processes to try to get the desired outcome. I'm not talking about that. I, I'm talking about just critically questioning everything. Um, my talk show name is Question All. I was trying to find a name where I wanted to say basically that I am uh, not necessarily just going into conspiracy theories and and uh trying to present them i'm trying to go into the most outlandish claims and beliefs out there and questioning them uh ufo's aliens dimensions i want to have an honest debate on any subject that i feel uh, uh needs that type of uh introspection and um, questioning that that's what we got. And whenever you accept something on faith, you're not questioning, you're just absorbing information, you're regurgitating. And that's kind of what the school system is predicated on now on now. Um, the school sucks podcast explains how Johann Fichte um and I believe it was a war against uh, Napoleon. And they found that the soldier that you want is the one that will just uh, believe, accept, and follow orders without question. And this is the basis on our military in America and now the basis on education in that you get good grades by regurgitating the information that was given to you, not logical processing it's uh, giving the man a fish and not teaching him how to fish. It's not teaching the child how to logically and critically analyze claims and beliefs and information and experimentation into formulating a thesis, uh, a belief, a rule, a law. It's just saying, okay, this is how it is. You accept it and move forward. It's assembly line thinking um, as Ford discovered. And that's exactly what we have today. And the only way to break free from that is to always have a questionable mind and never accept anything on faith. Uh, because faith, just like tradition, will force you into doing things that any rational person would reject or believe to be ignorant. And um, uh, <laughs> and I kind of stand by that. I feel that um, if you want to be a rational adult, you need to put in the work. You need to start to question all different aspects of life and accept your beliefs on on uh, things that you stand by and not just emotion. And you can't fall into these cycles of defending things just because you need to uh, make decisions and... Um, uh, structures of thinking and uh, ideals in a way that you can look back on and say, well, even though I was wrong, I still look back at it as at that time, I rationally decided on that, um, that uh, belief, that, that, gra that, um, that rhetoric uh, and my uh, beliefs at the time were based on the information that was uh, available to me at that time. And it doesn't mean that you can't be wrong in the future. It just means that you can look back at it and you can say, well, 
based on every process that I had all the way up to that point, it made sense to me. And even though I'm standing here knowing that that was wrong at the time, at least I can logically see the steps that led me to that, um, that uh, understanding. And um, again, there's no shame in being wrong. It's just um, I have a problem when uh, the person is almost like a, um, how would you say, um, sociopathic in the sense that they don't connect with uh, society. Um, but their their understanding of the world is unrealistic. And it's with those type of people that you try to tell them like, look, this isn't right. This is wrong. This is wrong. And they argue and they get angry with you and they fight you on the, uh, the debate. And then in the end, they finally see the light and move in a better direction than where they were at. And then you're left to feel as you're the crazy one because you were trying to help them when they weren't ready to see. Um, this goes for relationships and beliefs and defense of anything that people hold with emotion and not with uh, logical um, rationalization. <clears throat> so I hope that didn't get too boring at the end. Um, check out robertlego.org. I am now going to start to do these audios, like I said, more on my own. I have a trip coming up. I'm going to Japan, so I'll probably try to do a handful of audios over there. Maybe um, I can sneak outside and record an audio here and there. And if not, uh, maybe when I come back, I'll have some. But I, I'm trying to be more on top of robertlego.org. So check back uh, every two weeks. I should have a new audio and a new blog post, uh, both uh, as similar as I can possibly make them uh, without being um, repetitive as much. Um, and, uh, go to talkshoe.com. My name is question all. I think it's, uh, the show ID is one, one, two, seven, six, eight. Uh, again, just search question all on talkshoe.com and you'll find it. You have to create an account, but it's free. And if not, just keep coming to robertlego.org and, uh, saving the audios. I usually put the audio that you can just stream there. You can right click it and save it, or you can just read the blog post if you don't care to hear my nasally, um, awkward voice. Um, and so that's it. Uh, leave feedback, leave, uh, um, anything you want, uh, just be respectful and, um, try to be as, um, maybe concise, but accurate, uh, in what it is that you're trying to say. Um, and if you really are interested and you want to have discussions on these type of subjects, um, again, since I'm uh, un, unsuccessful in finding somebody that's uh, willing or able or um, interested in coming on and having this discussion with me, um, if you feel that that's you, then um, contact me and we could try to set something up. And I'll still, again, keep an eye and ear open to try to find somebody. And if not, you're stuck with me. This is what the debate on religion is going to be. Um, but I'll try to give you as much um, uh, as much of the um, information that I've gone through to decide on what it is that I believe in. So that you can maybe look at it and see if I'm completely insane or if I have some credence to what it is that I'm trying to present to you. 
Uh, so thank you very much for making it this far. I know this is a long one, but I just had quite a bit of things to say about this subject. And because I had a bit of uh, frustrating, or not frustrating, but difficult conversations with people on uh, religion, and I realized that it's such a touchy subject that maybe I should leave it alone for a while and m- maybe just ponder it myself and have uh, discussions with a microphone rather than somebody that I think is going to have an open mind to try to um, objectively look at both sides of the discussion. So thank you very much, robertlego.org, talkshoe.com, question all on there and one one two seven six eight. Um, and stay tuned. I got a couple more audios, so hopefully I don't fall behind again. Thank you very much for listening. I appreciate it. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.